Welcome to the Winer Shuffle, the Inverness Caledonian Thistle FC fan podcast. The podcast is two games away from a momentous return to the Scottish Premiership. On this pod, Partick overpowered, Arbroath smoke, a look back at those four games, but mainly a look forward to the two St Johnston matches, and all in the company of Cali Thistle legend Ross Tokley. Plus, we speak to a Saints fan, to the ICT and Saints legend that is Paul Cherry, and to the unstoppable machine that is Robbie Dees. All that and the usual 27 years worth of ICT references packed into now with a wild conjecture, a mild distraction. And for you listeners, Christmas has come early. Let's shuffle. There's it. Welcome one and all, I'm Andrew Moffat and joining me for this festive feast as we celebrate Christmas a full seven months early is a full house of Charles Dickens, Andrew Young. Hello. Good evening. Bad Santa, Stevie Riley. Hello. Hello. And returning to the pod for a second time, John McLean, Ross Tokley, how are you doing? Good evening, how are you doing? Uh, this, is, this is all, of course, in honour, I'll say honour and not ridicule, of Dick Campbell's post-match comment that Christmas has come early for Inverness. Presumably every Christmas, uh, every Christmas day before sitting down to a nice meal, Dick orders two family members to get the fuck out of his house uh, before fair play <laughs> to Dick opening a fantastic present. So season's greetings. To Dick. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. And a happy new year. But first up, we're going to go with Highland Highlight, but that's after the headlines. Our Broth Pub Ziggy's trends for the first time on social media since Quantum Leap ended. Ukraine win Eurovision, which is a bit like everyone just allowing Queen of the South to win promotion. And Willie Collin looks at himself in the mirror after Friday night and says, wait a minute, am I the bad guy? <laughs> Gentlemen, Highland highlight to choose from. You've got four games, three goals, five penalties, two red cards, uh, one greeting, double glazing salesman and a partridge in a pear tree. What are you going to go for? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, I'm nothing to do with the park. I'm going to all, I'm going to wrap all four games into one and talk about the fans. So I think okay. uh, the fans. I mean, away fans have all been pretty vocal, you know, in smaller numbers, and we travel well more loud. But I think home fans now and Ross can back me up on this. I think the players now reacting if the fans as well, especially at home. Um, I mean, the racket the boys in the section 94 are making superb, but it's getting everyone together as well in away games. I think we're we're seeing that with the players and the way they appreciate the fans and. Uh, no, hats off to everyone over the four games, and not just the four games, even even probably the last, probably since the Kilmarnock home game, I've noticed a difference in the home fans, and uh, yeah, hats off to them, and I think that will uh, will help us this weekend, and uh, the long may continue. Mine is, again, there's so much to choose from, but um, what made it kind of really sink in, what we're on the cusp of, was watching the game back on Saturday morning, the Arbroath game, and seeing Davy Carson after the final penalty, kind of running up behind Billy Dodds and jumping on his back and then giving each other a big hug. And there was just so much sort of affection and mutual appreciation there. And it really kind of brought home to me just what a, what a job Billy Dodds has done in bringing that squad together. You know what I mean? And it's really important. He said before the games that every player was going to be needed. And it looks like that's come true. You know, we're right down to the bare bones. And if he hadn't got such a good mentality among the squad and everyone playing together, then... I, you know, I don't think um, we would even have got this far. Yeah, a bit similar. Um, you know, I've watched all the home games and 
know how hard the playoffs are, and I would probably sort of single out the, the players. I think you know to put in some of the performances. Sometimes not the prettiest of performances, but that sort of determination, the character uh, to get through the games, to also come back as well against Park. So I think there's been a real um, desire to get through these games and, and sets up two games against St. Johnson. So I think the players deserve a lot of credit. Um, you know, I've been sometimes critical of them during that, that sort of bad run, but um, you know, Billy's always stayed, stayed really faithful with them. But I would say watching the game as a fan, I think they've really produced the goods uh, during the, the playoffs because it's, it's, a, it's a tough, you know, you play two games a week and the pressure's on. So, yeah, you know, a lot of credit goes to the players. Yeah, I would concur with, with all of that, guys. Um, the one thing that stands in, in my mind is when Ridgers saves the penalty, from the moment he saves the penalty to the moment that Kirk Broadfoot puts it in, I don't, I'm not sure I've felt like that since, um, I was thinking, I was going to say Celtic game, but perhaps since when Carlo got sent off in the Scottish Cup final and you think that it's, think that it's gone, you know? Because before that, obviously, we got two men sent off. And yeah, it was, um, that, that was... That was a very strange feeling, and to see it go in and against all odds, the eight men, the nine men, absolutely phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal feeling, um, and it was just a you know a great experience for I don't know, I'm assuming every fan that was there, including myself. So, yeah, that was a great a great way to cap off get cap off getting to the getting to the playoff final. So let's let's go through the games very briefly because we do want to devote most of this pod to the, the two St. Johnston matches. So the Arbroath uh, 0-0, this game we're just talking about winning 5-3 on penalties. I haven't seen an old man cry like that since Harold Shipman was sent down. Um, this, was, this was not an enjoyable game to watch, was it? I've heard, I've heard from those watching on TV that the coverage didn't actually pick up or show enough just how the wind affected the game. But how much has that wind, you know, you say, oh, don't take anything away from our both. Let's, let's do take something away from our both. How much has that been a factor in their home record, AY, do you think? I don't know because I've not seen enough of them, really. But you've got to think that they've um, it's, it's made some difference. Do you know what I mean? They know how to play that pitch and that went to their advantage. One of the things, we'll hear from Robbie Dees later. And he mentioned that the pitch hadn't been watered either, which meant that it was rock hard. And so they're allowing that, that wind to dry out the pitch. Um, and that's presumably because they know how to cope with that. And it actually gives me a bit more sympathy for the fact that we didn't string many passes together, you know, because they clearly wanted to make it as difficult for, as possible for us to do so. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's probably made a, a, um, a difference to them. But I don't want to take away from the fact that actually their, their pressing game and their work rate has also been incredibly important for them and the consistency of a few key players. Ross, do you recall playing at Gayfield? Did, did you play any games there? Well, I played a lot of games there. Horrible place to play. Yeah. I uh, played a few sort of midweek games, uh, especially around winter time. And yeah, not, I've had some good wins there, but I've also had a few games where you're, <laughs> you're <laughs> it's a team, a game of two halves, but just with that wind. Um, me personally, I wouldn't like to watch Arbroath every week. Not my cup of tea at all. Um, I thought Dick was quite disrespectful with his comments at the end of the game. Um, sure. And, you know, for Arbroath to not really change their tactics and, they could have had a thousand passes. You should have more passes in a team playing with nine men. Um, but you know, when they went back, when Cali went down to that, they never changed their tactics. They kept playing the same way. And you know, I think the overall over the two games, I thought Inverness deserved to go through, just by the, by their desire and character to to get through. Stevie, 
No, I agree with what you said. I think you're right with your comments about TV because obviously AY and, and myself, we watch the game live and then watch the game at the end on a, on, a, on, a, on an iPhone in the train because of times. So you didn't really see the, the effect the wind had. Fear weather supporters there. Listen, we'd have been stuck in a bros, we'd have been stuck <laughs> with you in Carnoustie, so that's why we wanted to give it a dodge. So um, I'm glad, I'm glad we did. Hammer, but, don't hammer the Carnoustie nightlife, I'm uh, telling you. But I, watched, I watched the game with, I stood next to Bobby Mann in uh, Dream, uh, Paul Ritchie, and uh, yeah, they were both critical of uh, how our bros played, similar to what Ross said. He said they would like to watch them every week because, yeah, it's, it's horrible football, but hats off to them for, for a decent season. Yeah. The selection in this game was a big decision to drop Billy McKay and, and play Doran essentially off. Samuels, but then Samuels, um, as conversely, as he's taken off at half time. Ross, what do you think was the decisions, uh, sort of the thinking behind those decisions, both the dropping of Billy and then the subbing of Samuels at half time? Knowing Billy, he probably would have taken it quite badly. And, you know, at the end of the day, he wants to play every game and he's missed a couple of games uh, that, that Billy Dawes has left him out. So, again, he's made a lot of good decisions, uh, the manager. So he's he decided to go with something, maybe a bit more pace up front. But I'll tell you what, Billy um, Mackay got a great shift on when he came on. When Inverness came down to 10 men, 9 men, he, he was battling away. I thought his experience to gain fouls and, you know, at the end of the day, managers are there to be shot at to pick the correct team. And I think he's made a lot of good decisions. Again, it's about opinions, but I just thought that um, his subs were very good at, at certain times on, on Friday night. Um, you know, I think Wallace was really unlucky to... Um, get sent off and I thought he was defended well against a very tri- tricky customer in Bobby Lynn but even Lewis Hyde coming on did a great shift for a young lad who's, who's not got a lot of experience so um, again everyone's got their opinions on who should start and who shouldn't and and I just thought he is, you know to put Billy on his experience for that second half it was, it was a good call Well Colin gave us five yellows and two reds while they picked up three yellows we can't appeal Duffy's but we are appealing Devine's at time of recording uh, was this a dirty game, AY, or is, is Colin just not used to championship football? No, it wasn't a dirty game at all, I didn't think. I mean, some of the bookings were, were ludicrous, you know. By the end, it just looked like he was like flashing his card at anything. Um, the Divine one, I just don't know. It looked like his arms were only very briefly around... Um, who was it? Sorry, that was going through again. Was it... Can you remember? Was it one of the Hamiltons? I can't remember. Yeah. I, it'll, oh, it'll be, it'll be, most of their players are called Hamilton, so it probably was. Um, yeah, and uh, I was thinking of this early anything there, but the way he kind of seemed to come down, you know, almost almost backwards, makes me think he probably, Divine probably did have something on him. So I think that the sending off will be, or sorry, the, the appeal will be very much based on if there was any chance that he was going to get that ball before Richards, you know, and so I'm a bit pessimistic about it. Um, so I think I can maybe see that sending off. The Duffy one's a nonsense. You know, his toe was down. Um, I think, and he and he got the ball, so I think that's that's a really really harsh decision. But no, I don't. I, I think so. considering the conditions, considering what was at stake, considering the nature of the two teams, it was a surprisingly non-dirty game, and it's ridiculous the card count. Yeah. Um, other than the the players we've talked about already, guys, did, did anyone else stand out you for you boys particularly? I thought I thought Welshie was the only player on the park really really trying to play football. Um, certainly, maybe Nicky Lowe to an extent. Certainly, no one else on their team. Um, but other than the endeavour at the back, was there anyone else that stood out for you guys? No, not really. I, I think you're looking at the back line, aren't you? I mean, I think um, Dees and Dees and Carson, uh, I mean, Broadfoot obviously in that game was brilliant, but I think both Dees and Carson have been pretty solid throughout these four games. Uh, there's maybe one little Carson brain fart that we can mention in the first of the four games, but other than, other than that, I think they've been excellent. Um, 
I think Welsh, yeah, Welsh did come into the first half and start trying to play, but I didn't think over the course of that game that was maybe enough of anyone trying to take the balls off the defenders and start building it from the back. You know, I think we looked a bit too ready to kind of get rid of it as quickly as possible early on, you know, and that meant that it's very hard to judge who was, you know, any of the more forward players, you know. I think, by the way, about Samuels, just talking about Samuels, just again briefly, presumably it's just because he knew, Dodds knew that our both would probably press us even more with home advantage in the crowd at their backs. And he thought Samuels might get chances in behind, you know, counter-attacking more than Mackay. And when that wasn't working, then he does what he's done throughout all these games. And he makes brave early subs, you know, the same way that he did, you yeah. know, when he took Hyde on and then took him off again against Partick. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one thing that's come up, come up out of these four games is the fact that Billy Dodds is not is ruthless and not sentimental at all about who he subs. You know, he will make the subs that he thinks are right every time. All right, let's move on to the, very quickly to the Arbroath uh, home game, 0-0. Some good chances here. We can talk about them briefly. Chalmers hits the bar, uh, shoots narrowly wide. Samuels has a, a goal-bound shot saved by Gaston. Um, I think we'll, we'll hear from Robbie Dees later on, spoil what he's going to say, but do you think, Ross, that the lack of goals here, did you think at the time that was going to hurt us when we went to Gayfield? I did. I left the game thinking it was kind of a chance spurned, really. Um, it was a really poor first half. I thought we kind of dropped, well, I don't mean to their level, but certainly dropped into their kind of longer play. Um, I think second half we kind of played a bit more like we can um, and we, we had the best chances. You know, I think Derek Gustin makes a great save from um, Logan Chalmers and it was it was one of those games where the ball just wouldn't go in and I thought it was a, a really good second half. Um, but again, you know, I just thought it was one of those games I, I felt both both sides, both teams were really nervous. It was it felt like a really nervy game. I was there probably the first time as a fan. I don't, I don't mean that when I'm doing my commentary, I'm, I'm not a fan, but I mean like sitting in the stand and having a couple of people behind me. I, I, I don't mind going to football games, but when you get a family behind, there was one woman just totally on the edge of her seat going, oh, that just I had to move away. It was... It was uh, a bit off-putting, but um, no, I, I enjoyed the second half. The first half was a bit, apart from the shot against the bar, um, I, th- I thought it was a good second half. I thought. Just to follow up on what Ross was saying, I was actually quite shocked by how, not to be too critical players, but how shocked we by how nervous we looked. You know, we were really composed in the two games against Partick, and then it just looked like the, the occasion had got to us. You know, I know they pressed us really, really well, but some of the unforced errors, especially from the midfielders, you know, you're just like, God, you know what? What are they doing here? You know, and you know that's fine. You can have a game like that, but I just really, really hope there's not a repeat of that against St. Johnson. You know, get that out of your system. You know. Well, before we uh, press forward, let's let's go take take a couple of steps back. Uh, the one 0 win against Partick um, at a Longman. Ian McCall, Brian Graham, Mark Wallace, your boys took one hell of a beating. Uh, Partick actually had sixty percent possession in this game, which belies what I just said. Uh, but we've actually played well and we've come away with victories a number of games this season when we have given up a bit of possession. What was the thinking in playing Samuels up top uh, and the 4-4-2 in this game, uh, Tokes? I think he just kind of wanted to match up. Um, I, th- I think that's what they kind of have played. And I think sometimes, that, you know, when Billy's played up front in his own um, and maybe just had some, you know somebody just off him, I think he just felt that he wanted to, to go with with two strikers and um and, and get some support for Billy. Um I think Shane's done really well um uh, out wide. Um so you know the start of the season I thought the, the Billy Mackay Shane Sullivan combination was really good but 
Um, I just felt sometimes that, you know, Billy's got you really good coming short and, and kind of sort of, and then Boy Samuel likes to play maybe on the shoulder, he's got a bit more pace and it kind of proved correct <laughs> with his finish. So, um, you know, the manager's got some decisions wrong, but he's also made a lot of big calls um, yeah. on that. And, you know, it's an, it's an old formation, the four four two, and I just thought it was, it was correct for the, for the game that night. Some you talk about sometimes getting things wrong. Sometimes people on this pod get things wrong. I know that Andrew Sutherland wasn't the world's biggest fan of Austin Samuels prior to the playoffs. Ay, did you have your reservations about him as well? Yeah, I've got to admit that I said thanks. Uh, following up something that Sav said on, on the last pod, I said you know Samuels has done nothing to justify <laughs> justify a star. And I've actually written down in my notes here that yeah, he definitely has now done enough to justify a start and to justify that start against our both in the in the fourth of the games uh, because there were two excellent finishes against you know Partick in the two games against Partick you know really composed uh, really powerful um in the right place you know arriving at the right time sort of thing so I think you know you see clearly that he's a, a, a striker he's got an eye for goal um whether he starts against St Johnson I don't know because I don't know um what, how, what his hold up plays like and how he can bring others in but he can certainly finish you know and he's got that pace well, a special mention in this game for um, um, Partick striker Brian Graham, who, when he was subbed off, uh, I shouted at him, you're not laughing now, are you, arsehole? Uh, and, then, and then he took exception to this and proceeded to ask me for a square go in the car park. And then he went to the changing rooms, came back and said, I see you in the car park. <laughs> and then at the end of the game, he, he went forward in the towel and he went, outside in the car park then? And I was like, what an absolute nutter. He's also very big, you know, he's quite... So he's quite intimidating. Were you in uh, the pub at this time when they came out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually went down, actually went down. I said to him, what, what, what do you think I said to you? What, what did you think I said? Because I didn't think I said anything that warrant, you know, it wasn't like vile abuse like some players might get. You know, it was a, what are you laughing at now? Have, have you ever come across a player, Ross, who's reacted somewhat adversely to, uh, to shouts like that from individual fans? I find it quite rare. Um, I've, ne- I've never seen anyone quite react like that, actually. No, it's, to be honest with you, I've, I, I used to play St Mirren every twice or three times a year. And, <laughs> and that was horrific, especially at Love Street. I used to get spot on and coins oh. chucked at me. I used to hate playing, I don't I can't remember what their, what their um, end was across from the, the tunnel, but yeah, that was quite hostile. Um, they'd be waiting for me um, after the game, before the game. You name it, just try to. It was um, it wasn't nice, but I kind of sort of as I got older, I kind of thrived on it a bit. But um, yeah, I, I, Terry used to get a fair bit of stick. Um, certainly going to some places, Aberdeen, Celtic Park, and that. So, but um, yeah, yeah, it's football's football. There's there's players that seem to get it more than others, and Brian Graham's one. He's got a bit of history there, so we'll get it right up him. Um, two one win down the road going back to the 3rd of May now and um, with that 2-1 reversal courtesy of um, Shane in the 71st minute and then that man Samuels in the 82nd um, after the cross of the season from the BBC man of the match Shane Sutherland and we haven't really mentioned Shane yet and looks like he is going to miss the two St Johnston games guys isn't it? Yeah I think he's out yeah he's, he's been, he's, yeah, he's been the, the player of the last uh, four or five months hasn't he I mean that move to the right hand side has done him wonders I mean I think you see, Shane, he's, he's, he can he's good through the middle. He's a good striker, but he's, he's got a good touch for a big guy. He can hold the ball up well, and he can certainly put a ball in. And 
yeah, he'll be a massive miss. And I think, I think with Shane out, I think that's, we'll see Samuel start, I think, in there. I think they might go one up top with, with, with Billy, and I think you might see Samuel's in there. But back to Shane, I mean, he's a bit revelation. I've been quite critical of him the first half of the season. I thought maybe his chance at this, this level may be gone, but he proved me wrong. And, uh, yeah, I'm uh, happy to my words with Shane because he's been superb. Do you think that goal, you know, the turnaround, because um, the 71st minute and the 82nd minute, so do you think that turnaround in that short space of time, do you think that gave the players a an added boost that, you know, given the belief that they've got what it takes to get to the playoff final or even to go further? Um, I, th- I think, I think. I mean, as we said before, I think Partick was probably a harder game um, than Narbroth. I mean, head-to-head this season suggests that Partick this gives it a harder game. But I think on that pitch, which was a lot better than it was previously in the Friday night game, we lost 1-0, I, th- I think... Get any sort of victory in that pitch is a, is a win, um, and yeah, I think that in a manner which we've done it, it's, it's, it's a confidence boost. So yeah, they'll be delighted. Arctic did let us play more football. You know, the, I think the, the way they play allowed us to play. And um, going back to Shane, actually, I think you're right about the, the turnaround. But I think he was incredibly important in, in making that happen. Um, I think we lost our way a bit after Walsh went off. You know, we still created a couple of chances, but Park were probably the better side. Uh, but Shane was the one, there was one point before he actually got his goal, he, he created a chance for himself out of very little. I think he, he cut it out in the right and he kind of took it in, beat a player and then he, and he, he put a pretty, a pretty poor shot well over. But it was the fact that he was willing to take on a couple of guys and fashion that shot out of nothing. He scores within about five or six minutes of that following up on Billy McKay's shot and then as you see that cross was absolutely beautiful. So you see all the different facets of his game there, you know, the, the kind of um, creating something out of nothing following in kind of like being a sort of instinctive striker and then being a creator from that wide area. I thought he was, I thought he was immense in the last uh, half hour of that game. Okay, well, those were the games that got the boys to the, the playoff finals. Two matches from glory, but what of a man who played for Cali and Saints and was part of the third division title winning side of 96-97. Next up, it's... So, I'd like to welcome on a former Cali Thistle and St. Johnson defender, someone that, from my vantage point in this Zoom call, is sitting in sunny Murcia, and I'm sitting here with a fleece on in East Bride, so I think he's the winner, but no, I'd like to welcome on Paul Cherry. How are you doing, Paul? Very well, thanks, and uh, thanks for inviting me. You know, pleasure to talk about the, the Cali. No, no, I'd like to have you on, and I think it's it's, it's perfect to get you on. There's a, a small matter of a, a playoff final this week, and it's uh, two teams you know pretty well, pretty well Paul. Are we going to... We're going to hang your hat and uh, who's your big team and who are you going to think is going to win? Uh, I'm going to sit on the, the fence, I think. Uh, may the best team win. That's 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 what I'm hoping. that uh, It's an entertaining game. And, uh, you know, it's it, it, it's great for, for both clubs. You know, uh, you know, big, big match and a big, big match for the supporters. So I just hope it's a, an entertaining match and I'll be watching it from sunny Spain. And, I know, uh, right? we'll, get a, we'll get a few sunny Spain references in there because uh, that background is lovely and it, it, look, it looks like one of these, um, for people that listen, one of these Zoom backgrounds, you know, that you put on and uh, it looks like one of these filters, but no, it's his real garden, so I'm jealous. But Paul, let's get back to a bit about your time at St Johnston. I mean, before we talk about your move up north to Vanessa, how, how was your time at St Johnston? I know we talked beforehand, you played another Paul Sturrock, but let's get back to the start. How was, how was your introduction to Perth and how did you, you find it there? Yeah, well, uh, I, I was actually playing with uh, Cowden Beath and my contract was up with them. And Alec Totten, who was the manager at St Johnston, uh, contacted me 
and asked me if I'd be interested in joining St Johnston. So St Johnston were a, a team going places. We were part time, but what I noticed was how professional it was. So, you know, although we were part time, we would arrive at what was Mutant Stadium and all your training gear was laid out. Your boots were all laid out. There was, a, you know, it was, it was very professional and that, you know, you know, we were treated like professionals, so that paid dividends because we we won we won that league, uh, you know, and got promoted up into the, the the first division. And you know, and it was it was a great time at St Johnston because we just moved to McDermott Park, very similar to what I had at Inverness as well, moving to the stadium, and there was a whole buzz about the whole town at Perth, which you know we were getting ten thousand sell out crowds we were part-time and uh, you know to get ten thousand, you know at mcdermott park was was unbelievable just a real buzz and you know and that was the same when i was at inverness as well it was the exact same and you know i was honored to play for for both teams that were on the up maybe a few people at the time but surprised you're obviously playing with St. johnston in the first division and you moved to a new team as we call them um no one likes to call it a franchise but two 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 teams merged together in the third division, how how did that come about? Was it was that something that maybe the I won't call it a project, I don't like calling anything project, but the the idea of an, a a certain new team coming through, a new stadium is going to be built. Obviously, was that the attraction, or was it just a fact of look, I'm leaving St Johnston, I need to get a team, and what they'll do? No, it was a. Uh, I'd actually got the phone call from uh, Steve Parson, who I I didn't know personally, Steve. And also, when I worked, when I played with St. Johnston, myself and my wife Nicola had a, an independent financial advisors business. Okay. So we had a we had a successful business. So financially, uh, you know, the, the football was my second income because <laughs> uh, the financial services business was doing well. So when I got the phone call from Steve, he says, "Come up to Inverness. We'll have a meet." We met at the Kings Mills Hotel with a. Uh, Dougie, Dougie McGilvery, who's a great, great chairman. And they they, 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 they they sold the vision. You know, they basically said, look, Paul, we need, you know, two or three experienced players that maybe played at a higher level. And, you know, would you be interested in, in coming up? Because I was two hours away in Perth, uh, Steve Parson said to me, he says, look, he says, you don't even need to train up here. Do your own training uh, down in the Perth area. And we know you're professional enough that you, you look after your fitness. And uh, so at the time, you know, everyone was on the same basic wage, which was which is great. But the, the chairman said to me, he says, Paul, he says, the only thing that differs is signing on fees. He says, what are you looking for? And I actually, I said a two-year contract and I was a bit, I was chancing my luck. I, I said quite a, a, a substantial amount. And, uh, and and Doogie says, no problem, Paul. And Happy days. Happy days. But the important thing was that, you know, when I was going up to Inverness, is that, you know, I want to make sure that the players that I was playing with and the supporters, they knew that what to expect from it. You know, it, they'll get 100% every week, whether I'm having a shocker or, or, or doing all right. And that's how you earn respect. And... Yeah. You know, and that's why, you know, I had a great time up there and the the team spirit was second to none, absolutely superb. Well, boys of my generation who seen you at that time, you were a, you were a fan's favourite, but did 
I'm, you probably know a few of the players, but did a few of the players surprise you? Because I'm sure there's a few boys up there that we'd maybe say from Helen Leagues that um, you maybe not came across, obviously, before you moved up. Was there a, was there a I don't know, maybe a, a surprising uh, how you thought the, some of the players were? Or did you, obviously, you knew some of them, but how did the boys feel to you? Yeah, I think I was, I was fortunate, or I'll say unfortunate. I played for St. Johnston against Inverness Callan. Union Thistle at the at Telford Street in the Scottish Cup, and uh, yeah, and we we I think it was two all. Uh, was correct. We we drew two all, and after that game, you know, I, I knew that Inverness, you know, they they were they were a good squad of players, you know, like we Charlie Christie and you know that was Paul Worth and, and boys like that, big Hertzian, and after that game, unfortunately, uh, I needed a, an operation on my Achilles. Achilles tendon, so I missed the the replay. But I always, whenever we played Highland League clubs, whether it was at pre-season, you knew that the the, the attitude of these players was second to none. Yeah. They all had a point to prove uh, because the old central belt didn't really give them the recognition that mm-hmm. that they deserved. And so I knew when I was signing Wembley that. I was going to be in there with, with, with similar players with great attitudes, all brought together by good management. And, and that's what Steve Parson did. You know, I played under a few managers. And I'll tell you, Steve was the best manager at team management, getting all the players to actually believe we were better than we really were. Steve, Steve played at a high level, you know, and, you know, a lot of people forget about that. You know, he went to Man United, you know, there's no Tom, Dick or Harry from the Highlands ends up down at Man United if you don't have, you know, a bit of class. And that's what Steve had. But more importantly, he he was he's a he was a great guy. And he treated every player uh, with, with respect, you know, there's some managers that I won't mention, but there's some managers that don't earn the respect from their players because the way they maybe treat them or or lack of communication, which is always a big thing, you know, is that players want to be told, are they playing it? And if they're not playing, why? And, you know, Steve was, Steve was really good that way because like Inverness, like most of these clubs, is you want a small squad that's tight. If you have a squad with too many players, there's always going to be one or two that aren't happy. Uh, but Steve, you know, kept the squad tight, communicated with all the players, whether you were playing or whether you weren't, you, you know, you respected the guy, you know, and, and that's why he was very, very successful as a manager. His, his record was unbelievable as a manager, you know. No, I agree. I think, I think he was, I think he was obviously left football probably too soon, but I think he's, He's content and happy, so all the best to Steve. And also, you, you get you get a third division championship winners medal, and uh, you've been in the news recently for a for a great cause. And I know the raffle you sent to Paul. How did it go? And do you want to tell a little bit of the guys about um, where it went to, and obviously the cause that it's it's going to benefit. Yeah, certainly. There's uh, a few weeks ago, I I noticed on television. Uh, it was a good friend actually, Stevie Carr who's a big Hibs supporter, but we can't change that, unfortunately. That's the way it is. <laughs> but uh, but Stevie, Stevie Carr had had uh, obviously been involved setting up a charity for Ukrainian orphans. And they went over and they uh, brought up over 50 orphans back to Scotland. And, you know, I, I, I had two winners 
championship medals, one from St Johnston when they won the first division and one from Inverness, Cali Thistle when they won the third division. And I thought, well, these medals are, are, are lying there in my, my drawer doing nothing. So basically I thought, I'll have a raffle. If we can raise funds, then that go to the charity, the Denipro Ukrainian Children's Charity, then the children will benefit more. Yeah, I've got the memories, you know, nobody can take these memories away. And I've got the scrapbooks. So we, uh, you know, between the, the two clubs, uh, the St. Johnston and, and Inverness Cali, uh, you know, we've raised over £2,600. Brilliant. Uh, which is which is great. And uh, Scott Campbell, well done to Scott, who won the Inverness medal. And uh, personally delighted that a, a true supporter has, uh, has has a bit of, a small bit of history uh, on their mantelpiece or, or wherever. But most importantly, there's the generosity of uh, all supporters really appreciated and it's all going to a great cause. You know? No, brilliant. It's, it's, it's the club's first league, league title, obviously. It's, it's, it's a new team there, so no delight with that and uh, great gesture. So let's, let's look towards this weekend then. So... It's probably more difficult for you to see a lot of Cali games on TV this season. I mean, obviously being in the Championship and St John's being in the Premier League. Have you saw much of both teams and how have you, have you thought both have uh, fared this season? Yeah, I've actually seen quite a bit of Scottish football. Uh, you know, I've got, uh, I've, I've got, you know, good television, that's all I'm saying. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> no, no, I know what you mean. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, I've, I've uh, seen quite a bit. You know, Inverness, you know, I think, you know, after last week's, you know, the, the game, you know, when the BR broth was just, you know, I, I was so, so happy for Billy, Billy Dodds and, and the boys and Barry Wilson and, and me, Scott, and, you know, and I'm not getting involved with referees, etc. because I know it's a difficult job, uh, but the the boys, you know, going back to team spirit, you know, that's what it's all about, you know, you know, digging deep and, uh, you know, working hard and getting a result. So, you know, Inverness, you know, I think they'll uh, they'll go into the game as favourites, I would say. You know? Really? Oh, that's, that's good to know. I mean, we were talking about that on Friday night, about the, the momentum side of things, because generally the team that are in the playoffs going up are having a good run. You know, if you get to the, obviously yeah, the right. final, you've, 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 you've fared best out of four games, whereas the team finishes second bottom, generally run a, a, a losing run. And I'm not going to look into St. Johnson's 4-0 humping yesterday as we record, but I know they've rested a few players, but I still think St. Johnson will be favourites. But again, psychologically, Callum Davidson's thinking this could be a tough two games. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a tough, tough two games. But, you know, I, I think, you know, the, Inverness, you know, they're they're coming off back a good a good run of form. You know, St Johnston, I think, have won one game in the last six or so, a couple of draws. They're not scoring goals, mm-hmm. and that would be a concern for Callum uh, as well. And uh, you know, so it's it's going to be a tough game. But I think if Inverness can you know take something from the first leg, then all the pressure because. You know, I, I keep in contact with a lot of St Johnston supporters, and you know, there there is pressure piling on that club. Uh, you know, because you know they're they're, they're they're a Premier League club, and you know if they if they don't stay up well, financially, you know it's a it's a big big problem for them. I know they had a great season last season, and it's a shame obviously they won the two two trophy without fans. But to go from that to championship team in one season, that's going to be a tough pill to take if it happens. 
<laughs> it is, but that's football, as we always say. You know, you're only as good as your last game. You know, and uh, they've gone from pelly to smelly, unfortunately, <laughs> with the run of the forum. And you know, they they can maybe say they've lost a few players, etc. But every team loses players at the end of the season, and it's it's a very important to have a good recruitment. A policy in place and plan ahead for players moving. You know, I think too many times managers maybe leave it to the last minute. And by that time, deals have been done behind the doors and you're left with players that you're signing because there's nothing else on the market. No, I agree, Bill. I know you're, going to, you're still sitting the fence and I thought you would do anyway, having played for both teams. But I hope you enjoyed the weekend. <laughs> I hope it's uh, ICT fans that are smiling, Paul, and uh, yeah, enjoy the games and uh, yeah, keep enjoying that sunshine because I'm, I'm super jealous. Yeah, no, I have great memories up at Inverness and, you know, I, I just I always say that, you know, it's a great bunch of players, great supporters and it, it just seems that the further north that you get, the hospitality gets even better. So I wish I wish all the Inverness supporters, hope, they, hope they're, they're happy. Psycho, that's what we call him for all the young, that's what we called him for all the young boys and girls out there. Uh, what a player, a machine, and he could play a bit as well, Ross, couldn't he? Uh, what a player he was for us, and what a player he was for you. Yeah, um, really good, top top guy. Um, you know, sort of had a wee chat with him over the weekend, and, you know, I just kind of was thinking about the, the sort of old days, and I was 17 when I first signed in, uh, you know, to for Inverness to sign a player from from St Johnston uh, with that pedigree it was a big the big signing back then, um, really good signing from from Steve Parson and you know I, I had to I didn't really know him but I've, I had heard of him um, but after the first couple of games he was you know really top guy really funny guy as well but really good with the, the sort of um, with the squad um, you know could talk talk for eight, you know, his stories were so funny um, I remember one of the games. We used to go to the Kings Mills for a pre-match meal, and then there was a bit of time where you can go and have a wander around the town. So I had an 18th birthday party, and I went and bought myself a a nice suit from I think it was River Island. It was a bit of a sort of tartan number, and I was so delighted with myself. I walked into the dressing room with it, and I put it down. My tea still was having a look, and others. But I hung it up on my peg. So I went out for the for the warm up, and I think it was myself and Wayne Adicott and Scott McLean having a knock about. And out comes uh, Paul Cherry with the full suit on for the warm-up. So he's just, um, I was running back over and saying, get that off. And he was just, I, I was just uh, so worried in case he did a, like a knee slide on it. But yeah, just a, a real funny man, but also like a real good player as well. Um, I, I, I really struggled to budge him from the, the centre midfield. I signed as a, a midfielder and I think the two games I played, uh, he was straight back in the week after. But um, real good guy to learn from and uh, a big character in that dressing room that season. I just remember that there was a kind of incredible sort of, uh, I don't know, presence about a lot of those players actually at that era. You know him, Mikey Teasdale, obviously, Charlie Christie, they seemed to be a really, really strong spine in that team, um, which he was, he was a big part of. 
my other memory of him, obviously, is you saying and Moff about three three seasons ago that uh, we wouldn't be the, in the mess we were in if we had eleven Paul Cherries instead of uh, you yeah. know Charlie Trafford and whoever else was Charlie Trafford and Joe Chalmers, I think, and all this. <laughs> I did see. I do remember saying that eleven Paul Cherries. I took. I took a couple of notes. Hundred um, percent. That's how you earn respect. That's what he said. And that Stevie, I think that maybe sum, sums up what our, what the current team is doing right now, right at this very moment, doesn't it? I think so. I mean, I think through it, I mean, if you even look at the COVID season and stuff like that, I mean, the last couple of years, a lot of, football team has been through a lot of different things. We've had a, off and on the field issues with the teams and what have you, and that brings players together. And I think they're, they're reaping the rewards of these good times now, you know, and you can see, like I said, David, David Proctor has had bereavements this year, David Proctor, sorry, David Carson, who's bereavements this year, he's loving it and stuff. And um, like Deasy says it to me today in the interview that, They've got that bond that maybe some of the boys in Roscoe's era had off the pitch. You know, they seem to sort of socialise more together. I don't think maybe the last couple of groups of players have done that. And, yeah, it bodes well for us. So, yeah, delighted with them. All right. Well, you recently, as you mentioned in the interview, um, raffled his, 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 his league winner's medal from 1997, raised 2,600 for the Dnipro um, Children's Charity. Um, so, Scott Campbell, who won it, if you're listening, much you want for it. You got no soul, you rubber bumpers! Spit that! Well, well, well. Right, head to head, or as, as Andrew Young likes to call it, historical records. Okay, the last time we played St Johnston was uh, April 2017, uh, which was a 3-0 loss at home. Uh, but what is our record like against them overall? Is, is McDermott Park a happy hunting ground? Um, does their relative closeness to the Highland capital give them a better advantage than most teams when visiting the Longman? Mr. Young delved into the archives to find out. Yeah, um, I don't know. I've seen them described as a bogey team for us, St. Johnson. Um, I remember like reading that kind of uh, review on, on CTO years ago that talked about that. But actually, the record's really close. It's a lot closer than our record against Partick. Uh, played 34 times, we've won 13. Drawn seven, they've won 14. So, you know, it's almost almost 50-50. Um, the home and away, I, I mean, there is quite a big discrepancy there in that, you know, we've won 10 at home, lost five, drawn three, and we've only won three at McDermott and lost nine. So they, they do definitely have a better record there, which bears out my memories. The amount of times I remember going to McDermott and seeing us lose 1-0 or draw 0-0, it just always felt like a pretty... Um, I don't know. It was never a, never a trip I kind of look forward to, you know, and I think that that's borne out in the stats. Um, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're a funny team for us. I mean, you know, we're, they're the team that we were seen as, um, we were supposed to sort of aspire to be like St. Johnson. And obviously the pre-merger Caledonian played a, a really famous cup tie against them, but we didn't actually um, encounter them competitively until 2002-03. And that's partly because they were doing well. They were a top flight club nearly the whole time that we came up. So, um, there aren't I mean, there aren't that many highlights. There's one I'll come to that Ross will obviously remember well, and he can probably tell us a bit about that. But um, you mentioned the last competitive game in 2017. Um, I just had a look to see who was still there. Billy McKay was in a second spell there at the time. He started that game and obviously didn't do that. Didn't do much. Um, Aaron Doran was injured. Jamie McCart started for us um, on loan at the time from Celtic. Um, and obviously he's now at St. Johnson. I think Xander Clark and David Wotherspoon and Liam Craig were on the St. Johnson squad. So they've actually got more survivors than we do. Um, and yeah, there's a few other kind of um, characters in the Cali Thistle squad there, like Louis Lang and 
Henry Annie and Scott Bowden and people like that. But actually, I mean, it's not. About, it wasn't about starting lineup. You've got a, a Carl Schumacher, you've got Gary Warren, you've got Tansy and Draper. You know, so actually, you know, it, it probably is a team that you'd have expected to do later. But I think it was just at the stage where the foreign squad was just completely devoid of confidence. Um, our, anyone remember our heaviest ever defeat? No, that was our that was our second heaviest. But our heaviest defeat was actually in. 2013-14 when we were uh, no 12-13 in fact when we were second to Celtic we were uh, we'd started the season really well Celtic were three points ahead of us and we were second St Johnson were sixth and we went to McDermott in October I think and lost 4-0 is that the one where Raven got sent off at the half really oh I think I think you're right about that I didn't actually pick up on that but um, I remember um, Butcher was just Teddy Butcher was raging about it um, afterwards I think um I remember being really shocked at actually that game at the incompetence of it. But again, actually, if you look at the team, um, Liam Polworth started, Danny Devine played him. He must have been really young at the time because that's 2013. Uh, Nick Ross was playing and uh, Toby Adjustin coming off the bench there to provide absolutely nothing. Um, so that was, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that was a bit of a shocker as well. You know, another reason why I don't kind of look at McDermott Park with too much confidence. Um, but actually, that ended up being our best equal season against them because we won... All the other three games, uh, 2-1 nils, Billy McKay scored at home, Gary Warren scored away, and then it was a 2-0 home win in the final game of the season. Um, Ryan Christie scored his third goal for the club in that game, and so we finished fifth that season. And the other season in which we won three out of the four games was, of course, 23-04, um, 2-1 away in August. Um, David Bingham and Stevie Hislop scored for us. Uh, Keegan Parker scoring for St. Johnson. Then we um, beat them 1-0 at home two days after Christmas. Barry Wilson scored a penalty in the 80th minute. And then there was actually a bit of a setback in um, March because we went 2-0 down. Again, Simon Donnelly and Mixu Patalina scored. Got it back to 2-2. And this is obviously we're chasing the title. And then Keegan Parker again scores in the 90th minute. And at that point, that was us seven points behind Clyde, level with St. Johnson with 10 games to play. And it probably looked like we weren't going to do it. And then, of course, we all know what happened next. We clocked back. And the final game of the season, I wasn't at because I had to work on Saturdays and I'd already had to swap with someone for the uh, Clyde game the week before. So my only memory of it is listening to it on the radio in my lunch break. But Ross, you might have memories of that game. Um, the first thing I kind of realised was the, the size of the crowd. Um, you know, just in the warm up, the amount of people were coming in early doors. Um, actually, was trying to look back at the game, and um, you know, I think there was six thousand there. Absolutely filled the filled the old stadium without any um, stands round about. It was just one stand. So for me, it was it was sort of lift that we got as players from the the size of crowd. You know, to run out of there and 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 have that support. You know, really set set the tone for for us, and I thought we played really well that day. I, I know we kind of Keegan's goal kind of set us back, but I still fancied us. Our our confidence was so high after that run we went on. Um, just going back to that that St Johnston game that we lost three two. That was a real kick in the mm-hmm. in the nuts, as I should say. Um, you know, with, with Parker um, scoring the winner, we actually walked out the ground and he he answered his phone, Parker. And I just thought, oh, you're a right big time whoever. So <laughs> it was nice to it was nice to uh, to beat them, uh, beat them at home and, and win the league that day. It was it was such an amazing day. Um, you know, speaking to Liam Keogh about that, my um, coach's son, and we were actually talking about that a couple of weeks ago. And um, you know, just it was a fairy tale really to to win the league. 
after being so far behind. I think St. Johnston were the, the big favourites that year. They'd spent a lot of money. Um, and I think it sort of collapsed um, quite badly because they came up the road that day and I just felt they were there for the taking. Um, and again, our confidence was high. And I, I think it's similar to this weekend where you know, our confidence is a bit more than theirs and they've had a real struggle this year. Um, but I think, you know, looking back at the Arbroath game at home, I was really disappointed with the crowd. Um, I looked at the crowd on Friday, like the Arbroath support, and I thought it was pretty good. So I'm looking for, I spoke to Paul Chalk, I'm looking for the Inverness Panthers to get out in force on Friday, along with the Section 94, and, and create that that real atmosphere. Um, and, and it gives the players a lift. And I, I just thought the 3-1 game we won, when we won the league was, was amazing. It's uh, a great memory. This is a quick quiz. Right, just want you to shout out the answer. Shout out yes or no, false, whatever. All right, ready? Okay. Right. Why are St. Johnston called St. Johnston? Because Perth used to be known as St. John's Toon. And named after who? St. John. Is that John the Baptist? Uh, I, I'm not, despite where I work, I'm not a big expert on sort of Catholic saints, <laughs> so uh, don't know. It's, right, it's I'll, give you that one. I'll give you that one. Well done. Very impressed. Uh, true or false, Stevie May plays lead guitar in a rock band called We May Destroy You. False. True. True. I'd say true for that. I mean, you want it to be true, but it's false. Point for Stevie. Ah, come on. Uh, no, no danger that's happening. <laughs> true or false, the River Tay is the longest river in Scotland. True. Yeah, true. Right, correct. Stevie said first, so point for Stevie, true. Uh, John Knox gave a rousing sermon that inspired the citizens to destroy all of Perth's what's? Churches. Hmm. Our cathed- I mean, cathed- he, he, he was big in burning cathedrals and abbeys, wasn't he? So close, it was monasteries. He, he hated monks. Um, which, dark, which dark knight actor was born in Perth? Immigrating. No, no, it wasn't. Dark that time's up. Uh, Heath Ledger. Why so? Uh, oh, Perth, of course. Uh, Perth, Australia. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. Since 2019, Nadir Chiefchi has played for five clubs and he has scored for how many of them? Two. One. Three. I'm not too sure. One. He's only scored for one of his last five clubs. There you go. Oh, um, uh, Perth became an official city again in what year? 20... Oh, it's also 2012. How did you get that? Right, because we got it. Inverness got it. Inverness got it for the millennium. So it had to be another occasion. So it'd be the last Queen's Jubilee, the one before this one, so ten years before this. Say what, eh? Take a day off, man. Uh, <laughs> and the Jacobites took control of Perth how many times? Which uprising are you talking about? Well, how many times? Totally. Like in all of them, yeah. Like combined. Three. Wrong, it was four. Uh sixteen eighty nine, seventeen fifteen, seventeen forty five. And 2022. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and finally, two or false. Two or And Johnston have a defender called James Brown. True. True. And, he is, and his namesake has a message for all the Cali boys. Get up, get on up. Get up, get on up. Stay on the scene. Get on up. Like a sex machine. Get on up. Get up, get on up. Get up. Get on up. Get up.
Cali Thistle fans, it's all been about the championship for the past five years. So, like me, a lot of you might have taken your eye off the comings and goings in the Premier League. Dundee have already gone. Could St Johnston join them to get the rundown on all things Saints? We spoke to Danny Williams from the Dogger Saints podcast. And no, I don't know why they call it that. Danny, welcome to the pod. Appreciate you slumming it uh, with us, championship chumps. Um, thanks for coming on. Uh, she could be on the uh, she could be on the other foot this time next week, Andrew. Well, so well, uh, no, appreciate you having me on, mate. Always a pleasure. First question, a little bit of context for everybody. Uh, where's it all going wrong this season, and is it related to last season's overachievement? <laughs> uh, indirectly, yeah. It's yeah, it's a good question. We're on the Aberdeen podcast last week, and they asked the exact same thing. So I'll try and keep it short because I think I went on for about half an hour. Um, it was. It ultimately all comes down to the final day of the transfer window and losing Jason Kerr and Ali McCann, not just losing them because I sort of knew it was coming, but losing them at the last minute with no clear plan in place to replace them other than a couple of last-minute loans. Then Davy Wotherspoon getting injured in the, well, Dennis Kruse in the Cup semi-final, League Cup semi-final, sorry. So that's, if you're looking at last season, the three players you don't want to lose out of that squad were Kerr, McCann and Wotherspoon, who are three best players by miles. So it was a, that was a blow. Um, obviously, you can't account for what happened to Spoonie, but yeah, I think there could have been better. I think the departures of Kerr and McCann could have been managed a little bit better, but they weren't. And then January, it has picked up a bit and that's the only reason we're not that's the only reason we're in this playoff. You've got a good couple of results in recent weeks, though. Um, before the Hibs result, you've beaten Aberdeen 1-0. You've had results against Motherwell and Hearts this season. You are capable of getting results, you know? The mad thing is, I've got to go back to sort of last August for our best performance of the season. And it was Galatasaray away. We were unbelievable that night. And then the one, second one, best one, performance... 1-1, one, yeah. And then the second best performance was... Lask Linsk um, away in the Conference League. Since it just never it never got going. But what we've started doing, probably since January, is scrapping results out. Um, Kelty was was actually just to do with um, the players tonight, and they all, you know, a couple of them said Kelty was a massive turning point because it was rock bottom. Well, hold on, after- hold on there, Danny. You mean it? I do. Tell me they were all boozing. I'm afraid not. But if one person had COVID, it was a COVID jamboree in there. So <laughs> um, that may be your best hope. No, they were best behaviour. Um, I don't know whether they... <laughs> I, think waiting, uh, I think they've waited for a pint for quite a while now. <laughs> I think they're probably looking forward to it all being over, but... All right. Yeah, it's, uh, Kelty was a turning point. We started scrapping results out. But So what tactics and formation can we expect Callum Davidson to employ over both games? The little I've seen of you looks like he's married to a back three, back five. Is that right? Uh, yeah, if, well, if you've seen the little of that, then you've seen it all, really. You've seen one Saints tactical performance. You've seen a lot of them. It's going to be... I, I would be very, very surprised if it isn't a back three... Uh, two wing backs, including your 
old boy Sean Rooney. He'll be he'll be in there. He's been excellent in the last couple of weeks. Um, probably three across the middle, and then a couple up top. It's probably not going to be too much to give away with Saints, to be honest with you, at right. the minute, Andrew. So who's who's the best players? Who who the who are the potential match winners? Who do we need to look out for? And who's Billy Dodds beefing his players on? Who needs to be watched? Hendry. Yeah. Absolutely, no question about it. If it's probably not too much of an exaggeration to say, it was only a, it was only a fluke of sort of timing, really. And Chris Kane got injured, and we missed out on Zach Rudden. So Hendry was brought back from Kilmarnock. Where, to be fair, he'd not really he'd done okay. He hadn't been bad, but he'd not. He wasn't sort of setting setting Heather on fire, if you will. He. So he came back and he, Davidson took the gamble, chucked him right in the side and he's never looked back. He's our top goal scorer despite having not even played half the games. So Hendry's the big one. Middleton on form. If he, if he plays, Middleton's one to look out for. Obviously, big Xander in goal. And then, as I say, man, you boys will know a fair bit about Sean Rooney. He's, yeah, he, he's... A lot of things are coming from Rooney at the minute. So how, how have Rooney and McCart got on this year? How have they got on in general? They were two fan favourites when they played for us, especially Sean Rooney. McCart's form's turned around. He now looks like, you know, we're back to having to play with last season. Just a really sort of reliable defender. I think the fact that Rooney isn't quite as reliable, he's more just goes off and does what he wants. Can get caught out of position, but so it's, I suppose it depends on your your viewpoint of things. Really, for some for me, the fact he's out of position quite a lot and and just drifts off, drifts away from right back. Yeah, doesn't bother me because he's going to do more damage that way. Well, you, you've seen what he does in, in big games for you before last season, and and he's done that for us as well. He's a match winner in these games. Right, so, it's a huge, yeah. huge, big game player, and yeah. a game we had a couple of weeks ago. Andrew, it was. Um, we were away at Dundee, 1-0 down. And if, they, if they'd won, they were back to within two points with four games to play. And that second half, Rooney just, he got moved to centre-half. But I think that was just more an excuse to get him into the middle of the pitch. And he just took the game by the scruff of the neck. Everything we did came from him. And he ended up getting the goal, popped up from a corner. And um, yeah, it was just, he was outstanding that day. And he's really... Particularly in the post split, he's been the he's been the high point. All right. Well, you, you have conceded quite a lot of goals this season, so you know, stop saying such um, <laughs> positive. Listen, we did it. We did uh, we did a preview pod with the party Crystal fan, and he spent fifteen minutes saying how awful they were. So when we finished that, I thought, oh, I'm really looking forward to this night. So t- say a few things. Like, who's who the bomb scares? Say a few things that are going to you know, um, Cali fans <laughs> happy listening to this. Bomb scares. Um... If Nadia Chifty finds his way onto the pitch at any point in your centre house, I think Robbie Diesel will have a <laughs> Robbie Diesel may as well just get the cigars out. Uh, he's not come off at all. The midfield's not been brilliant all season. It's struggling for co- cohesion in there. And you win and lose games of football in midfield. <laughs> Murray Davidson is a brilliant player. He's possibly my favourite ever Saints player, to be honest. But the job he's been either asked to do or maybe a bit of old father time catching up, if you get me. It's, yeah. 
he can't, he's not been doing what he's best at doing. And that's maybe because he doesn't have the sort of support he used to have around him um, going way back when people like Chris Miller and then a bit more recently McCann. And yeah, so but, so that's, a, that's an area you can target. We've got a guy at left back and I really like him, um, James Brown. But we've gone through... Get up! Get up! Stand! <laughs> oh, no, <that> wasn't <laughs> The sex machine, James Brown. <laughs> he's, um, so he's, he's a right back, really. He's played a bit of centre-half, but we've had a bit of an injury crisis at left-back. So is Brown, then, le- is Brown left-footed? No. Right, Massively right-footed. Let's look at the lineups. Um, the team against Hibs, he's made quite a lot of changes for that. Yeah. It looked like you were saving the players. They were all sitting on the bench. So I looked at the team for the Aberdeen game. And that looked like more what, probably what you'll play against us. And then he said, I think after the Hibs game, I'll have six players come back in or something. Yeah. So are we looking at Clark and Goal, back three of Gordon, McCart, one other, and then Davidson, Hallberg and Butterfield? I, I think that's our goal. It could be Crawford. You know what? I don't... I, I can't call it because there has been a few injuries the last few games. The Aberdeen game is probably closer to what we'll see. And I think he's going to go with, I'd imagine he'd go with Butterfield because he played, he had a really good game against Aberdeen. And is he the holding midfielder? Yeah, he's holding yeah. midfielder, which does actually free Davidson up a little bit more. Because he's been trying Crawford, who there's certainly merits to as a footballer, but he's not a midfielder. And McPherson, who tries hard. Uh, Where did he come from at first? St Mirren. St Mirren, yeah. Came on loan. And then we signed him permanently, basically on the back of one good game at Sandcastle. But, I mean, you've pretty much got a team team now. I'd imagine it'll be Dan Cleary, who'll be the third centre-half. It'll be Rooney Rooney at right-back. I'd imagine Brown's at left-back, unless Booth is one of the six players who's made some sort of Lazarus-esque comeback. Um... Midfield, I think you're correct. And then the Hendry up top, and it'll either be, I'm going to rule Chifty out for the sake of my own sanity. Uh, <laughs> it'll either be Middleton or May. May has started two games recently. Two games probably last four or five months, both away at Livy, and he's been outstanding in both of them. And then he was never seen again after the February one. For months, he just got shifted onto the bench. I think his shift, she came out from injury. And then there was, um, then he was injured again last week against Aberdeen. And then obviously Hibbs as well. So I think if May's fit, we might see him, but could be Glenn Middleton. Right. So in terms of that lineup, you say Butterfield sits. Do Davidson and Hall? Who's the more advanced of Davidson and Hallberg? It, it, it's a little bit of a flat midfield. It's weird. It's almost like a bit of a flat midfield three. So Butterfield sort of sits in. Um, Davidson can then sort of float about getting, you know, getting people's faces a little bit and throw himself about as much as he can these days. And then you're looking at Hallberg really as the nominal sort of playmaker in there, but he's not advanced enough. Really, it's not like he's advanced enough to be a 10. And if Mid- Middleton plays, does he take, because obviously essentially a winger, does he tend to like drift wide, pull centre-half sort of position? Yeah. Does he, does he, he does do that. He doesn't get asked to play through the middle as such. It'll be Hendry through the middle and then 
Yeah, nominally, uh, Middleton's probably what you'd call your number 10. He played, you know, his second striker, starts straight in the middle, but half the time he goes, essentially goes wing to wing, really. I wouldn't say he's been great. Oh, it's been a huge success again. But he's had some big moments this season, probably more than most. Right. Okay. Uh, what are your thoughts on the on the Cali Thistle team? Is there? Do you keep an eye on half an eye on the championship? Is there anyone that you're worried about? Out, I, I do. Out, out of the few players that either haven't been injured or Willie Collum has sent off. <laughs> I was going to say I don't mind Divine at all. Um, I was amazed to see Wallace Duffy turn up as well. You know what? It's going to sound ridiculous. I need to shoot me down. I've always had a lot of time for Kirk Broadfoot as a footballer. Uh, I knew, the way you phrased that, I knew you were going to say Kirk Broadfoot. <laughs> I, I've always... You know what? He's never been the best player. And he's obviously the man trying to poach an egg in a microwave and miss the start of the season. <laughs> but, so this is what we're dealing with. But actually, I think the fact he's still going, because he could have jacked it by he's, now. He's a good, honest pro. Um, looking at the side, I, I thought actually, the type of side that could cause Saints a little bit of bother because you're on a bit of a run, obviously. And even when you went down to nine, well, nine men the other night, or 10 men first and obviously nine, still look really organised. Even when our broth were chucking everything at you into the wind. And I think that's what worries me more than any individual, to be honest. Yeah. And that's that's what worries me, because Saints do struggle for creativity a little bit. And so just look like the kind of side that you think, oh, shit, we might be struggling to break these down. <laughs> All right. Um, put your neck on the line. Predictions. Two terrible games of football, probably. Uh, that's, <laughs> well, that's, no, pretty, that's pretty much a given, Danny, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Over, over two legs... Over two legs, I think Saints will win by two goals. But I think it will be, I think there'll be a goal in it either game. That's that's my prediction. But you know what? It could all change in that. Friday night's the big one. And you see where we are after Friday night. Mm. And that that dictates the second leg. But I think I think Saints will I think Saints will get through. I think we'll just just have enough. But whether I'm confident about that statement, I don't know. Uh, for the benefit of the listeners, his face does not look confident. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what, what do you think the atmosphere will be like at uh, the Derby Park? What, what, what sort of attendances do we get in this season? Do you think they'll turn out? Will people, people turn out for that? I'm hoping so. And I think, again, a lot can depend on Friday. Uh, I, think it'll, well, I think it'll still be tight after Friday. So I'm hoping people do turn out. We had 9,000 people in the place for Galatasaray and Lask. So the people are there. I think we've got a good travelling support coming up on Friday, funnily enough. How, um, how many do you reckon are going up? To say at least a thousand, which for Friday night in Inverness yeah. is not oh. bad. I think there's a few there's a few buses going up. We're um, me and my pal staying overnight. We're doing a we're gonna have a visit to Johnny Fox's, I think. So Danny, cheers for coming on. Um may the base team win on on Friday and Monday. And uh, it's just a shame that whatever happens we'll not be in the same league next season. We won't be playing each other, will we? Exactly, it is a shame. Unless the game is so bad, they just relegate both of us. Yeah, that's it. And then we can still... This is what I'm worried about. I will lose all trips. If we lose, I'll lose all trips to Inverness next season because County County are up there as well So in the Premiership. So we've got got a bit riding. I wish... It is a shame we don't get... We all get to play each other that much anymore. But 
We'll see what happens, as you say. May the best well, team win. All I can say is I hope you're going to Cove. Cheers, mate. <laughs> That's the ultimate indignity. All right, tell, finish off. Tell us something about Perth that we don't know. Our Christmas lights were once switched on by Billy Ocean. Danny Williams here. Um, thanks to Danny for taking the time to speak to us. Just amazing um, that they're going to finish the season playing against us in the playoffs and they started the season with 9,000 fans playing against Galatasaray. That is a phenomenal awful yeah. turnaround, isn't it? Um, yeah, he puts their situation down to, it seems, a bit of a hangover from last season, but mainly due to bad recruitment. Um, who wants to pick that up? These boys were muted to go a long time before the end of the transfer window, so you've got to maybe look at the management and sort of recruitment before that to see, look, where's the, co- where's the cover? Where's the, where's, the, where's the potential targets? But I think it's a great point they made around that because they were massive players that they lost. Sorry, why? No, 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 you're fine. I, I, I agree with you, absolutely. I think um, I remember people talking for a long time about the fact they were going to lose Jason Carnelli McCann and the fact that they didn't replace him adequately um, is pretty disgraceful because he must have made a lot of money last year. Uh, the one thing I was going to say, though, was, although I'm sure that was important, um, he puts it down to that, but they had a shocking start to the season in the league. You know, be- long before the transfer window, they started with um, three draws and two wins, which for a club coming off a double is pretty poor form, three points out of 15. Um, I don't know if they were maybe distracted by the fact that there's big European games, you know, and even whether they tried to rotate unsuccessfully, you know, so they could get further in Europe. But um, I don't think you can put it down entirely to uh, the transfer window because um, they obviously weren't firing at all um, when they were playing league games. I think they've, I think they've had a lot of success last year and I think with a lot of clubs, you know, they struggle to, to repeat that sort of form. And I think it's a number of reasons why um, maybe key players are missing. The sole players, um, and as Andrew said, they, they must have made a lot of money last year. Surely, whoever is driving driving it upstairs, you know, with the the money should be looking to to, to fill these gaps. It's a selling club, St Johnston. Um, mm. You know, lose players, but I, do, I don't understand why they didn't have targets in mind. Um, Callum Davidson's a very good young manager, and you know, he's he's played down south as well, so his contacts would be very good. But um, leagues don't lie. They're down there for a reason, so um, that's how it is. That's the brutality of of um, football for you these days. But a lot of success last year and just really struggled this year. So Danny talks about the star man being Hendry. He must have played against us this season, yeah? He did. He was, he, he was anonymous at Kilmarnock. I think so he yeah. alluded to it in his interview that he never really set the lighting fire. I think that's when... I think Tommy Wright must have brought him in. He, he did. It was before McInnes, but they had so many strikers, didn't they? Dolly Shaw as well. well he might have came later on, but... I mean, for a guy that he never really done much command, it was pretty much last roll of the dice, wasn't it? Because they had Stevie May and they had um, Chris Kane up front, and they both get injured. So, yeah, he's taking his chance, but yeah. desperation tactics. Well, from, he's he's talking about the star man being a guy who, mm-hmm. yeah, like you say, Stevie has played against us and hasn't given our defence any trouble. He's talking about him being their star man. He's also talking about a midfield that's quite flat and lacks creativity. Yep, and it looks like. Their danger man is Sean Rooney. 
<laughs> he's, got free, he's got a free roll, hasn't he? He can go, in, he can go That's what it looks like. So well, we'll talk about the matchups in the final section here, but we'll just finish off this bit by, you know, I, I was quite surprised when he said, we're looking at taking 1,000 fans up to Inverness. I did expect that, though. I mean, they're not... I mean, there's a lot of Fairweather fans, as you can tell, when he spoke about the 9,000 that were at Galatasaray and Lask, I think, and then he disappeared. But we had a little bit of that years ago when we'd, we'd 6,000 against Astra and then struggled to do 2,000 against Motherwell on the Saturday. But, yeah, I think they'll bring a good crowd up. It's not a far journey for them. You know, it's 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 a relatively short distance for for them to jump up the road. So I'll expect them to take at least 1,000 on Friday. Yeah, I mean, what did we have at our growth? 600? Maybe more. I think and that's, and maybe that's, more. that's coming off a season where we've struggled to break 2,000 at home for most of the season. So if we can take 600, then them being a Premier League club just coming off the back of two trophies, you'd expect them to take 1,000, I think, even though their, their core support is probably not a great deal bigger than ours when we're both in the top flight. Just on that, what, what do you think, realistically, everyone, what do you think we're going to get for the attendance for Friday? I'd love... I'd love, like Ross says, to, for everyone to come out and stuff and, and support their team because the fans are there. And I know it's in Sky, but it's Friday night. It's under the lights. We need you. I mean, I think we could... Three and a half, three and a half thousand? Maybe I'm a, I've been, been a bit optimistic, but I'd, I'd like to think we could get near three and a half. Well, you think, what are we? If we were about 2,000 anyway, they'll take 1,000, 3,000. So you're looking at what, an extra 500? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping more, but bottom line, three and a half thousand. I hope I'm... Hope yeah, I'm I, I, I would... Yeah, I would definitely look at more than four, to be honest with it. Hope you know, so, Ross. I hope so. Yeah, I think so. Um, they're out there. Um, I, know, I know that the club are playing in a different league, but there's a, this potential of, of getting up. And I think, you know, with a good bit of publicity this week and, and trying to get the punters through the... I think the kids have been great, and you know, the younger ones. And I'm seeing it when I'm walking around and, and noticing, I think, the Hamilton game, they had a load of school kids in as well. So it made a lot of noise. Um, Mm-hmm. And I really hope that they come out and, and back the team. I said it, you know, previously in this interview, this chat, so interview podcast, and I also said it in the papers as well. To, they have to come out and back the players. Will get a lift off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think the, the section eighty four have been terrific. I'm, I'm doing. I was doing the cool commentating. I'm looking around my left because they're so passionate. They're so behind the team. And for me, like if, if we had that, um, don't get me wrong, we had a lot of good support. But it's it's that new breed of, of younger lads coming through and um, supporting Inverness, and it's uh, they're really passionate, and um, I'm, I'm delighted the players have appreciated it because it does give it, it will give them a lift. Agreed. Well, hopefully we can get a few few uh, few laps fans back then. We can get a few fairweather fans back and fans like myself that are central belt based. That will we'll make the trip up and we can we can uh, bolster the crowd then. Get behind the boys. Uh, right next, let's uh, let's get deep, deep, deep into the analysis. Like a sex machine. Oh, wait a minute. Shake your arm and use your farm. Stay on the scene. I like a sex machine. You got to have the feeling. Shoot your bone. Get it together. Right on, right on. Right, let's cut to the chase. The last two games of the season, two cup finals, two momentous games, and we are playing a side who have got a worse attack than a Russian infantry unit. We have got more than a chance here, surely, do we not, Stevie? I think we do, depending on the team we put out and how the boys are feeling. But I'd, I'd, I'd like to think that the first game's critical, and I think I think your man Danny said that in the interview we listened to earlier on. I think. 
if we can keep it tight, nick a goal. If we were, I see if we won one nil, I'd be confident going to McDermott Park with one nil in our back pocket. I mean, if you, they leak a lot of goals. I'd like to think we could score more, but yeah, we're looking at a team with Callum Henry up front. We're looking at a, a team where Sean Rooney, who's a right back, right winger, left winger, he goes everywhere. And as much as it's good as we, we used to love watching him, there's a lot of space down there that we can we can yeah. obviously infiltrate and get behind them. They're not a pacey team. They've got a flat midfield. I think we can pass through them. I mean, who who are up against Murray Davis and Liam Craig? And I mean, it's looking like um, Murray Davidson, uh, Halberg, boy came from Hibs, and Holden Matilda and Butterfield. Jacob Butterfield, the boy was at yeah. Millwall, I think. I think he played with Callum. Well, Callum coached him at Millwall. But yeah, we can get around them. But we've got pace to burn up front. I don't think there's much of an issue there. And as much as Rooney by threat, and we need to watch them from set pieces, I think there's a lot of space down down there, right, that we can expose. So, so if they're playing, Ross, if they're playing three at the back, do do we have to play two up front? Because basically, do we match up against them with three in midfield, or do we play four four two? I had this bit of dilemma at the weekend because uh, we were playing against a three five two, uh, and I always think if you're playing against a three five two, I would play a a four three three. Um, and it gives the it gives the the back three for them a problem. If you've got the two wide guys and the guy through the middle, you match up in the middle, and it's basically a battle between the wing backs um, and the two full backs have to take responsibility really against the two wing backs. And for me, I think Sean leaves so much gaps. He's so um, pro, you know, get, getting forward. He's very much an attacking, um, probably more a wing back than a full back. So. A lot of gaps in behind him, and I think Everness need to to really expose that. Um, you know, it it does become a bit of a sort of tactical battle, but I think the, the sort of game is always won in the centre midfield. Um, I was very very surprised that um, Billy Dodds put um, Lewis Hyde on on Friday night, and it was a big call. I, I was going to mention that earlier because you got Scott Allardyce sitting on the bench, and he's got a lot of experience and. For me, he was he was going to be my player of the year if he never got injured. So, you know, he's got a couple of decisions to make. It's going to be big calls. Um, if he does go to the three in midfield, um, you know, that, that's good. Whether he plays maybe somebody in the number 10 role, but I think that that's where the game will be won and lost is, is the middle of the park. I think if they get a goal, uh, keep a clean sheet and go, and go down to McDermott with something to, to hold on to and play for, then that would be a good result for me. This is the problem that he's got with selection, though, with the injuries and suspensions, because you assume if the divine doesn't get overturned, it's Harper at left back, and it's Dees comes over, and it's Kirk and Davy Carson. In front of them, it's Sean Welsh and Reese McAleer. Chalmers definitely plays, because he's the player that can expose Rooney. And then it's question marks over four positions. Because we actually don't have a right midfielder, I'd like I'd like him to play the three in the middle and match up. I I I would always play for. So who who would you bring in then? I mean, would you bring in Hyde? Would you bring in Allardyce? Uh, I think well, he I think he likes Doran in the middle, doesn't he? All oh, right, so yeah, you, you mean so, you keep yeah, Doran, I, keep I, I think I think he would is. I think he would yeah. play Doran in behind Billy. Uh-huh. Billy yeah, that's because he has to play Doran. Two games at Doran though. Do you think he'll manage Doran like he did maybe in the, the Thistle games? I don't know. I, th- I just think you've got Billy, you basically got Billy Mackay, Doran, and Samuels um, to fit into three positions. How do you fit them in? One of them has to play out of 
one could of the you, Could you play McAleer as a 10 and bring Allardyce in too soon? I don't know. So that was another question I was going to ask you guys. Is it too soon for him? I don't know if you're struggling. I think, think, think Reese is good in the ball. Sorry, I think, I think you could play McAleer as a 10. He's got, he's got a shot on him. I mean, any, 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 any balls dropped him 20 depends, yards depends out. Depends on Allardyce's fitness or Ross, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah, I think for one game, I, I think if he's fit enough to go on the bench, that's why I mean it was a big call Friday put Lewis on. Um, and I'm a big fan of Lewis. I think he's done really well. Um, but for me, I would play the three in there. It'd be Welsh, Allardyce and McAleer. That would be my three. And I would I would have that three. I don't mean to disrespect, but I have three dogs in there. And I would play Samuels, uh, Chalmers and Billy up front. And I would have that three covering along and and, and being a lot of responsibility on, on Carson and, and hopefully Danny Devine get, uh, gets his thing and, and Robbie Dees plays left back because I think his strength and power would, would be good a uh, good matchup against uh, Sean. But yeah. I think David Carson's yeah. uh, proved that he's a really good uh, one-to-one defender as well. So mm-hmm. um, it'd be interesting for me if, if Roddy can go and put a mask on, um, it would be great. I don't know if, if, if the club are looking at one. I did hear a rumour today that they were looking, but you know, he, it was a blow because I thought he was excellent against Hamilton. Um, it was a real boost to have him back, and then to get that blow that he's he's broke his jaw. It's it's, it's hard, you know, because he's he's fit. It's just he's he's had a facial injury, and it's a, it's real hard to, to take because he's a big um, a big fan of his. So the only other options there is um, is Hyde. Obviously, he's done really well. Um, and Hardy, and I think in terms of senior players, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, no one else is there. There's no one else. I know. So it's it's uh, it's your uh, you and Anessa's young boys that'll be filling the bench, Ross, for both matches. Yeah, I just think in Aaron as well. I, I just think that just now where he's at, I think impact. You know, I think with half an hour to go, I think he's got that experience to come on. Um, certainly will be needed for these playoff games real experience as I said and, a, and somebody that's it's got something different than than the whole team you know I've noticed that this year his deliveries um, his, his eye for a pass um, so you know I'm not saying this that Aaron should play I'm just saying that you know he will play a major part in this playoffs it's whether he, he starts the game on Friday or he doesn't um, right. it's going to be an interesting one to see because again there's not a lot of options um, but certainly our starting eleven will be will be a match, and I don't think there's a big massive gap between the the top of the the championship to the to the to the bottom six of the SPL. I don't think that the golf is even when we went up. I was thinking, gee whiz, you know what I mean? It's not a massive gulp, uh, golf in class, so I don't nope. think Inverness have a few. The pressure's on them for me. That's that is really exciting. If we had our dice and with Welshie and McAleer, they got Billy there. They've got Chalmers there. They've got Samuels there. That's goals all over the team. A solid defence. I'm looking at that. I'm, I'm saying this is a repeat of the 3-1 against them in uh, 2005. We'll smash them. The one thing about that is, though, I mean, Samuels, I can understand why you'd play him there um, because of his pace. But I'm not sure that he's, a, he's, a, he's not done that much when he's played wide a few times. I think it's a needs-must thing. He's more effective yeah. player playing as a striker. You know, mm. um, yes, Chalmers, Chalmers, Chalmers yeah. I think, can unlock... You know, when he's on form, you know, he can come inside, he can go around the outside. I think he could be, have the beating of both of their fullbacks and he can obviously switch wings. Um, Samuels, I think, will be more effective on the break, you know, rather than, you know, going out full pelt at them, you know. But 
nothing ventured. I mean, you might as well do that. You don't you don't really want to invite Sean Rooney on to Cameron Harper early on, you know, and say, give us what you've got. You know what I mean? I think you'd rather... Whether we have the ball, we don't have the ball, we can play with both, as we alluded to earlier in the pod. We can mm. play without the ball. We're quite we're good on the counter-attack now. We're quite well yeah. held on the counter-attack now. No, we'll get space. I think there'll be, there'll be a lot of chances to counter. I think they'll, they'll leave a lot of gaps, so that could be the, the key. Let's hope. Um, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Yeah, well, I just hope we can, we see uh, Roddy McGregor, the Phantom, make an appearance at some point. For McDonald, up the castle, Liverness men, Weegee's hustle, Jenny Heaver, CCTV, BT's pizzas, Judas City, Farland Park, the library, Spectrum Centre, Moggy Story, Cali Thistle, the Golden Mile, BT Centre, Matalan. Um, let's, let's the final word, let the final word of the pod uh, be had from a mainstay of this side, the only player to start all 36 league matches, this is the only player to play in all 36 league matches this season, Mr. Robbie Dees. How's you and the boys then? I mean, I think this, probably having a week off, so God's saying now, isn't it, since the last game? Yeah, no, I'm just delighted with that. I think uh, we're all needing it, and I know for a fact that I'm needing it after, after the last few games we've had the last two weeks, so... Uh, it's a bit of a godsend getting that week before the game on Friday. It's not just the games, also you're used to playing games all the time, is it probably because there's more pressure on these games now that takes this ex- extra toll on you? Uh, it probably does, but the adrenaline it gets you through it. I think that's what definitely got me through the game on Friday anyway. And um, Yeah, I think it is. It's got that wee bit extra behind it. Um, so I just got to prepare yourself for that, I suppose. Let's talk about close so far. I mean, Far Hill seems like an age ago now, doesn't it? Because I know where we are, but um, yeah, fans were great that night, great atmosphere. And what to ask you about the fans, Robbie, because I think, obviously, I know yourself, you, you're right to the fans well. I think the last couple of months, the fan turn up and the fan engagement's been as good as it's been in years. How, how has that been received by the players? Yeah, it's been absolutely brilliant and it's got it's only got better um, throughout the season. I think the first game I noticed it was the, the Kelly at home. Um, I think it was maybe December time. Uh, and they were absolutely brilliant, and it's just got better and better as the seasons went on, even through the rough patch we went through. Um, and it's it's great to see, um, and it does help so much. Like the fans at Thistle were outstanding. Obviously, we went to go down, and uh, they got right behind us, and it was massive for us. And um, I think I've said it before in an interview that it's been a bit of a roller coaster season, and, and as you can see on Friday, it continued that. And uh, I just hope we can we can do what. We can do it on uh, Friday and Monday and uh, get what they deserve. You go from Thistle, who are probably a good footballing team. I mean, even yeah, probably probably playing their pitch suited Thistle in the set leg because obviously it's a decent pitch and yeah. they're playing. But you go for them to uh, a broth and then a home and don't be wrong. See, after the first home game, I was thinking oh, I'm a bit, we should have taken something from it. But was there a frustration after the first Abroath game that we're we going to go down to Gayfield with something in our in our back pockets? Yeah, no, I think we knew as a team we needed to to get a result at home. Um, and it did sort of feel like a defeat because they we knew they wanted a draw. They wanted to take it to Gayfield. And we did, well, the first 45, we didn't play nowhere near as what we're capable of. And then the second 45, I think we dominated. And I think they knew that. So the fact that they managed to keep it 0-0 was a good result for them. But uh, at the start of the season, we went to Gayfield and took took the three points to beat them 1-0. And we, we, we also drew 0-0 with them. So we knew they were more than capable of. And we were the only team to beat our broth at, uh, at their ground that season. So... It wasn't a, a massive problem for us. It was just that we just had to go and do it, really. And it's fair to say we've done no bad. We're up against it. I mean, we're down eight men for at one point. It's crazy. Um, 
I think the TV, I watched it back on Saturday, and I don't get done justice to how bad the wind was and how sticky the pitch was. How, how were the conditions for you, the boys, on Friday night? Oh, I think the first half, the wind was horrendous. I think that was pretty obvious when the ball was going in the air, and the pitch was so dry and um, it hadn't been watered. I don't, I don't know if they were planning on or what, but the pitch was very hard. Uh, you had to wear moulds and the moulds weren't even going into the ground, so it was very difficult to pass the ball as it was. So that even made it worse. And then what made it worse, I think, in the second half, the wind sort of died down for our growth playing against it. So, you know what, <laughs> it was pretty obvious. A lot of things went against us, including including the conditions in the pitch that we uh, on Friday. So kind of makes the win a bit more sweeter. And obviously we've lost a couple of boys Well, two two is we're recording, but hopefully we see Danny's uh, red card rescinded and unfortunately Wallace, which I joke doesn't doesn't get a chance to get his rescinded, chains out. How's how's the squad looking, Robbie? I mean, but we're, we're down to be a bonus now, aren't we? Yeah, no, look, we we, we had we're lucky enough we got the weekend off to rest and recover and, and do our stuff and then we came in on uh, yesterday for the first time and the uh, mood was good, the boys are like just because some of us played 120 minutes, still a bit stiff and stuff, but we still got the full week to recover and prepare, which is brilliant. Um, which is a bonus for us. We just need to go and do it, really. Like at the end of the day, I wouldn't say the pressure is properly on us. It's, it's we've found ourselves in a situation. We've got ourselves in a situation, a great situation to go and the chance of getting promoted to the Premier League, which um, is what the club have been trying to do for years. And I think uh, we just need to go and grab it. Looks like a tight camp over, Robbie. I mean, look at, looking back, when when, when Kurt scores that penalty, I think one of the first people on was Danny, who'd been sent off. I, I think Roddy McGregor firing on that as well. And I think, I think Tom Walsh had the crutches out. I mean, how's, how's the spirit amongst the boys? I mean, it's good to see, obviously, the, the, the fans and players so close at the moment. But even the boys that aren't playing, they can't play because injuries, they seem to be so supportive boys as well. Yeah, I think that's one thing about Inverness as a club. Like, obviously, it's a bit remoted up up north. Like, and uh, the team bonding and the team's massive. Like, I, I came up here with just as no family, just myself. Like, so you spend it. Unfortunately, I have to live with Scott Allardyce. But apart from that, like, you spend every day with the boys now, which is brilliant. I think that I think we've started to show that. I think obviously we went through a rough patch throughout the season, and the, the team the team was still strong. And I think fans and that are starting to see how together we are after the season we've had and that we're more than capable of doing it and we all believe in each other and even the boys like Roddy and Walshie are uh, unfortunately not able to play like they're on the park celebrating because they know how much it means together as a team so uh, I think that just kind of shows what, what we've got as a team I think uh, I love the gaffer you've got, to, you've got to say nice things about him because he's your gaffer mate but I mean he, he came in for about a rough time obviously as, as you all did in that slippery patch but I think he's shown he's, he's worse than a good coach house How's he been in the last couple of weeks and stuff? Because he's uh, he's cool the cucumber when I speak to him. Ah, he's good. He's, he keeps us calm and, and he's good at he's good at reminding us to believe in ourselves and just go and do it at the end of the day. And um, he's bright with the boys and uh, he's been good at looking after us the last few weeks with the with the schedule we've had, which has not been easy. Two two games every week, and um, I think that's really important in these playoff games. Um, obviously, this is the first time I've played in, in the playoffs and. It's just a learning experience for me, and I think um, it comes to the stage when you need to know your own body. And so, <laughs> I've got these idiots. <laughs> what <are> you used <laughs> there? Uh, well, Scotty Waldo and Harper's in the flat, and I don't know what they're up to. I can hear them. <laughs> uh, but I know that the gaffer's been great in the, in the sense of looking after us um, in in the last few weeks and throughout the season, obviously, but more in the last few weeks, just with the amount of games and. Our squad's thinner now, so um, I think that's really important. 
Right, so we got the two games then. So Friday, Monday, um, nothing to lose. How we were the underdogs? It's all, it's all in favour of them staying up. So it's full pelt ahead. Yeah, look, this is probably the biggest game I've, I've played in in my career so far, and it's probably the same with a lot of boys. So we just need to embrace it and um, just go and do the best we can, and and just. Just, just as I said, just embrace it. There's, there's not much we can do apart from just go and play our own game. And um, I think it's important we play our own game rather than the occasion because uh, we've got ourselves in this situation for a reason. And I think we just need to believe in ourselves and, and kick on, really, and and just do the club and, and the fans proud. Have you seen much of Josh in this season? Is that a strength of weaknesses that we could, we could capitalise on? Yeah, I've watched a few games. I mean, I'm... I'm, well, unfortunately, I love the Scotty, as I've said, and he's a Dundee fan. I mind watching Dundee St. Johnson one time. And you know what? They've got very, very good players. There's, there's d- double cup winners in that team still. So it's not going to be easy, but we need to remind ourselves that they're in the situation for a reason and we're in our situation for a reason because how we've been playing and they put themselves in that situation. So at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's going to be a fair game and we just need to go and do it, really. And then lastly, mate, before I let you go, is... Uh... Especially for the fans for Friday and Monday. I know we're taking a massive support down on Monday. I'm sure the stadium will be packed out. I think St John's will bring a good crowd up on Friday. Just get behind the boys and keep doing what they're doing. Oh, 100%. As I've said, the fans have been absolutely brilliant and it does help so much and the, with the singing and, and getting behind us. And um, it, It's great to see because, it, it's just as I said, it's gradually got better as the season went on. And This is the last two games of the season, so if there's a time for them to come and support us, it's now. So there was a, there was a few in, uh, interlopers into the interview there, Stevie. Who did you say Harper and the, was it Allardyce and uh, Duffy behind them there? They're all they're all they're all. This is what you alluded to earlier. They're, they're all hanging about together. They all got a great team spirit, um, even when they don't even need to be hanging around together. Aye, well, obviously him and Scotty live together, so they're, they're stuck with each other. And I think I think it was him with Wallace last year. So yeah, I think yeah, the, 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 it's good to have a lot of the boys around that similar age, around that sort of nineteen to sort of twenty-two mark with their you know, they're, they're so signed together and keep them out of trouble. And uh, again, it bodes well for the the camaraderie on the part. You can see it. And uh, yeah, long may that continue. And Ross, he's played every single game this season, you know, started every single match. Is is, is that a big deal for a, for a player like Robbie Dees? Because he, he's got a lot of yellow cards and he, and he gives 100% in the tackle every single game. Is that a big achievement for a player like him, would you think? I think he's, I think it would be. Um, nice to play, you know, all the games in a, in a league campaign. Um, I think he's done well in a position that I wouldn't say that it's his strongest position, but I think he's got on with it. I don't think he likes playing there, in my opinion. Um, I think he's going to be a really good left centre half, but he's he's certainly um, played his part and he's been a real um, steady Eddie, as I say, um, a six and seven out of ten most weeks. Um, you know, with David Carson playing opposite sides, probably more attacking down that way. But, you know, I would say Robbie Dees has got a, a really good future ahead of him in the game. Um, thought he was tremendous on Friday. Thought he really defended and slotted him beside Kirk. And um, Cameron did well as uh, next to him. As, you know, it was like, I thought it was a really good defensive display. But Robbie Dees seems a real uh, level-headed guy. And um, you'll need calm heads on, on, on Friday night. And, the, and another... Uh, alternative dimension, he could have been playing, could have been putting just a blue shirt on on Friday, Stevie, couldn't he? I know, I know, it was real publicised. I think, uh, I think if uh, St Johnson had put more money in, I think we'd uh, accepted it. So yeah, it was their loss and their gain. But um, yeah, he's, he's been great for us. I mean, it's it's 
as Ross said, he, he hates playing left back, but he's got decent, he's got an uncle who's a decent left back to sort of lean on, isn't he? Paul Dees was a, a great left back for Livingston, but yeah, he's uh he's he's what he's what he's one to watch. I will say one thing about Robbie Dees to finish off. Um I remember a previous time you had him on Stevie and he said his target was to get a goal. He likes to get a goal every season and he's got a goal every season, but he hasn't yet got a goal this season. He's got links with St Johnston with his, with his family mm-hmm. um, and he's from the area, he's from Kinross, I think. That's right. Obviously could have been playing for them, as we said. You never know, could be written in the stars. There's your tip for the uh, first goal scorer on Friday night. Okay, that's all from us for now. Regardless of the results against St Johnston, this is this is probably the last podcast of the season. Probably, and we'll be back in a while to preview the new campaign and whatever league we'll be in. Could it be Lesser Hamden or Greater Celtic Park? Maybe the Balmoral Stadium or Baltic Potodri come Monday, the twenty third of May. That's like half ten or something like that. We shall all find out. Um, so I'm going to say before we finish off, Premier League or Championship, lads. I'm going to put you on the spot. No, no one jump in first. I'll jump in and make a dick of myself. No, Premier League. Premier League against all dogs. Oh, like it. I'll sit in the fence. Ah. <laughs> Ask me after the first leg. All right. I, I think that's crucial. I think Friday, I agree with Ross. Friday's yeah. massive, guys. And yeah, come come full time Friday. I think we'll be in a in a better place to comment. But yeah, Premier League if, at this moment in time. What What about this? If If we don't win Friday, do we not win Monday? Do we need Do we need to win? Is, is this I, a different proposition to the Arbroath game? Do we need to win Friday? Is that the main thing, Ross? Don't get beat, or or is it need to win? Yeah, yeah don't get beat. Um, but if you can get that, as Steve says, that odd goal. I would love Inverness to get promoted. Don't get me wrong; I'm not sitting on the fence for anything, but I'm a bit of a realistic and person, mm-hmm. and I just think if we get a good start on, on Friday, um, you know, we've got half a chance. But yeah, need a big performance. See, that's professionalism, guys. We're all getting carried away. Oh. We're just getting excited. <laughs> getting carried away didn't do us any harm before the party game. So. Okay, um, thanks to everybody for listening over the season. Thanks, as always, to Steve Kelly for the use of the theme music, to Sophie Robb for the use of her artwork for the social media, to everybody for getting in touch for all the bulging mailbags, and to the players and staff for coming on all season, to the opposition fans who've given us their time, and of course, the guest panellists, Ian Ald, and, and this pod's returning legend, Ross Tokley. We are all off to throw stones at Sean Rooney's bedroom window for the next five consecutive nights. Uh, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Bye. Goodbye. Take care Bye. of yourself and each other. Bye for now and I'll leave you with a last word from you lot.
Bien, bien. 